0: A place I'd give the world to see, where the music softly playing and the rhythms gently swaying, underneath the stars a million bars, guitars are softly saying, Mexico, you got to be in so much. There you are, your extra uh, 10 seconds there. We're going to Mexico now to Campeche in Mexico. Uh, let's catch on what's happening in Latin America and get the latest from our good friend John Bonfilio. Uh, John, a very good evening to you.
1: Good evening to you too, Martin.
0: And we start with uh, a huge drug tunnel that's been discovered uh, going under the U.S.-Mexico border. Tell me uh, more about that story.
1: Yep, there is the cartels uh, we've known for a while, mm. but it's always uh, surprising when it comes up again. I, I think a little bit. Do a good tunnel. I think if you want to get some decent um, uh, post-apocalyptic landscaping in your garden, Martin, uh, yes. don't go to home base. Go to your local dealer and ask what they can what they can <laughs> provide for you, uh, because it seems to me that they are you know the best in the business at tunnels, and this is one which. Uh, runs to half a kilometre, uh, rail track, electricity, ventilation systems, uh, in the usual place where these things are discovered, which is Tijuana, San Diego, northwest Mexico, southwest uh, USA. But I think the story really, I mean, it's been presented as, you know, there's another major drug tunnel mm. that has been discovered. And actually, the U.S. attorney, uh, Randy Grossman, said, In a very cliched uh, sentence, there is no more light at the end of this narco tunnel. Um, But actually, as far as I can see, what took place was a few days before the tunnel was discovered, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico, Ken Salazar, went up to Tijuana and did a big press conference in which he said there are over 200 tunnels. We estimate there are over 200 active tunnels moving drugs um, south to north in this area, and something needs to be uh, done about it. Uh, surprise, surprise! In the next few days, the Mexican authorities discovered, in inverted commas, uh, a one particular drug tunnel, made some arrests, sealed it up. You know, high-profile uh, uh, stopping of the or uh, law wins over the cartels kind of situation in the yeah. in the media, in the press. But it completely seems to me that this is one of those things where. Um, the, the powers that be in hock to the cartel said, "Okay, there's been this big press conference. We need to give them a little bit. So let's just, you know, let's give them our least impressive uh, and our least functioning tunnel for the media to go mental over as the biggest drug settle in, however long it is, and we'll keep the other 199 running because, you know, we know that those are the ones that uh, that keep that keep things flowing." I mean, is that a particularly controversial perspective? I really don't think it is. I mean, you know, it's not, it can't be a coincidence that the US ambassador does this press conference and then a few days later the the, the Mexican authorities discover this drugs tunnel.
0: No, I don't think that's controversial at all. And, you know, over the years, every time there's been a, a lot of uh, narrative about the war against drugs, anybody who knows says, well, if it's a war against drugs, I'm afraid drugs are pretty well winning that war. And it's obviously still the case.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, we've we've uh, we've we've talked about it on your uh, show many times, Martin, and it is um, ultimately it is a we live, we exist In a capitalist system of supply and demand, uh, which does not recognize uh, borders, which does not recognize fences, which, you know, if there is a demand somewhere for a particular substance, legal or illegal, then the, the system that we exist in services that demand. And that's, you know, whatever you try and do to that, to try and stop that flow of that particular thing and as we've also said on your show it's not just that particular thing it's not just drugs it's a whole hit. you know it's mm. hundreds of other things um then good luck to you with trying to stop that uh it's yeah. just not going to happen
0: No, we've mentioned avocados i think and uh limes and ver- various other things
1: uh, it's peaches well as... now peaches peaches, 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 is peaches is are it? the latest yep
0: Blimey. Um, Right. I could, you know, if I had the time, I could have come in with a bit of a strangler's song there. But uh, won't bother. Uh, Second story this week, uh, John, um, the U.S. uh, easing some sanctions on uh, Cuba and Venezuela. Uh, Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, this also has um, has subtext to it. So the Biden administration on the face of it has eased. Uh, some sanctions, a very small amount of sanctions to Venezuela, and a few more to Cuba. The Venezuelan context is um, basically set up around the fact that Chevron, uh, big oil producer Chevron, has been allowed to renegotiate a license with the Venezuelan authorities. Uh, uh, Venezuela, uh, well known as being, despite its decrepit infrastructure, it has the largest known oil reserves on the planet in its in its waters. So Chevron's allowed to renegotiate that in, um, you know, as a uh, as, as a retrospective favor to that. Then the, the Venezuelan government has agreed to new talks with the uh, with the opposition, which, you know, doesn't really amount to anything there's again you know some press opportunities some photo opportunities there it's not going to really go anywhere but of course what's you know the sub the big subtext there with oil and venezuela is russia and ukraine Mm. and it's the fact that you know for the last few years venezuela has been um very much the bad boy in uh, the bad leftist child in in latin america but now you've got the whole Russia thing and twofold really with, with Russia. One is the demand for oil. So where does where does the West get its oil now that, or, or its uh, fossil fuels now that Russia is, has taken on this particularly aggressive position? But also the renegotiating or, or reestablishing relations with Venezuela also um, is an attempt to remove Russia, which is one of Venezuela's biggest allies from the from the fray and to try and bring Venezuela back into the fold and, and as a result, also further isolate uh, you know, Russia and the international community. With Cuba, these are Trump-era sanctions. Um, also, a little bit of subtext here. The biggest uh, re- uh, easing of sanctions is to do with financial restrictions as regards remittances between the U.S. And, and Cuba, so money that is sent back between between the U.S. and Cuba. And the Biden administration is saying that, um, that actually it's to do with and also speeding up visa applications. So the Biden administration is saying that it's to do with um, helping people pursue a life free from oppression. But actually, the easing of sanctions arguably is going to do the reverse of that because it's actually going to ease um, economic mobility in, in mm. the country and encourage people to stay there rather than move further abroad. But, but really, it's it's a normalizing of, of relations. I mean, if you look at this historically, this embargo has been going on for 60 years. You know, the U.S. embargo on Cuba, which again is, you know, we go back to the war on drugs, something which emphatically has not worked. If in 1962 they tried to bring down the government with this embargo, we're now, uh, you know, 2022 and nothing has succeeded there. So it's just an attempt to to normalize uh, relations. But you can imagine that, uh, of, of course, the U.S. right and in particular Little Havana in Miami uh, are making a lot of noise about this and are not. And they're not very, very happy at all. But certainly it seems to indicate the U.S. Um, undertaking a slightly more softly, softly approach under Biden uh, as regards the, hem- the hemisphere
0: yeah absolutely uh, and um, finally there's a, a Latin American dimension to the uh, Champions League next weekend uh, the final between Liverpool and Real Madrid in that uh, Vinicius Junior is uh, on the Real Madrid team and I went to the match actually in Manchester City versus, um, versus Real Madrid and even though City won the match uh, that particular leg of it anyway um, Vinicius Junior <laughs> ran the uh, Manchester City defence uh, Mary dance. I mean, he's just so fast and such a great player. But look at what Luis Diaz has, has, uh, has brought to Liverpool. So that's going to be uh, an interesting matchup, is it not? In that uh, European Cup final,
1: very much so. Luis Diaz, Colombian, as you say, Vinicius Junior, um, you know, Brazilian, and I think that's why there's there's a lot of discussion at the moment as regards the two of them because they're both ostensibly, although they that they can move around and play in different areas, they're both ostensibly really quick. Young uh, left wingers and are comparable in, you know, in a variety of different ways. In particular, I think that the Colombian um, media are going a little bit crazy about this because Colombia aren't reaching the World Cup, so they're trying to grapple onto anything that they can hold on to in terms of their their supremacy. But. Yeah, I mean, really interesting. I mean, Lu- Luis Diaz—it's it's easy to forget. Only signed for Liverpool three months, three four months ago, Ooh, end of yeah. January of this of this year, and is arguably now, you know, if not Liverpool's most important player, then certainly one of the you know, the the, the two or three most important players who uh, who has changed, the you know, the shape of the game at halftime when he's been reintroduced. And Vinicius Junior also easy to forget. is actually still only twenty-one years old. He was mm. actually signed by Real Madrid when he was seventeen. Came into play when he was when he was 18 and so on, and really this is, although he's played for, for Real Madrid now for a few years and actually scored memorably against Liverpool in the quarterfinals of last year's uh, Champions League, actually this is really his breakthrough year uh, for Real Madrid, so definitely a lot of comparisons, and in particular one uh, 90-minute Colombian television programme that was released yesterday, which I didn't watch the whole of, which goes into intricate detail as to the, uh, the pros and cons of between the two. Maybe we should leave the last word for uh, Tino Aspria, our, our, our beloved Tino Aspria, <laughs> who says, hands down, Luis Diaz is better than Vinicius Jr. And, you know, Tino Tino knows...
0: Yes, and we'll, uh, well, we'll see next weekend, won't we? um what a player a sphere was and uh, what a goals celebration. I remember him doing that celebration, uh, for Newcastle when they, uh, when they beat, or well, I don't think they did beat. I think they were, a th- they were ahead, but got caught by, uh, Barcelona in a European Cup match at St. James's Park. um brilliant. Thanks, uh, ever so much, John, as always, and we'll speak again soon. Take care. And you. Uh, there we go. That's uh, Jonathan Bonfiglio joining us from uh, Campeche, Mexico. Uh-